Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is time for a little fun with friends today. can hardly wait, because I'm going to be together with Dr. Peter Kapsner, and our special guest today is Canon J. John. We're going to talk about contentment today, and finding lasting contentment, he says, is achieved by letting God, not the world, shape our desires. We can trust him to keep the wonderful promise he made through the prophet Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. We're going to talk about contentment today. It's something I think we're all interested in hearing lots about, and it is my incredibly happy privilege to introduce, uh, once again, Canon J. John to the program. He is an author, evangelist, and all-around amazing, great guy. J. John, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Always good to join you and Peter. Thank you for having me back on the program. Uh, John, did I give Peter a a good enough introduction, or should I try to beef it up a little bit to bring him on no, the show? Well, that's he why I thought I'd better mention him. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, uh, hey, Peter, welcome to you, too. <laughs> well, that that seemed less than genuine, Bill, but, you know, I, 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 I trust the love that emanates from your heart in this moment that towards J. John will extend my direction as well. Well, it is uh, most of it is headed overseas right now to J. John. Understood. Understood. We, the three of us do have a great time together, don't we? We do. We it's, do. It, yeah, the, the conversations over these past this past year or so that we have every three months uh, with Jay John have just been so insightful, and we've certainly had great feedback too. Mm-hmm. Well, I I always call it Peter um, uh, Bill uh, sacred synergy. I love that. I'm going to put a patent pending on that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started talking about contentment. I mean, this is a topic we are all dying to hear about, and as the world seems to be in more turmoil than ever, we're coming off two years of COVID where people are isolated and a little depressed. And there's all kinds of, uh, you know, feelings of uh, discontentment. So I want to talk about God's contentment today. Absolutely, uh, Bill. And, and I'm going to reference the one of the Ten Commandments. But before I do, just some introductory uh, reflections, comments, insights. The closest to perfection a person comes is when they fill out a job application form. <laughs> the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Yes. The grass always appears greener on the other side of the fence. And people live in one of two tents, content or discontent. Wow. Mm. However long you take over the menu, deciding which dessert to have, when the person's next to you arrives, you realize you've made the wrong choice. The average family ambition is to make as much money as they are spending, but our yearnings will always exceed our earnings. Mm. And just when we think, we're going to make ends meet. 
someone moves the ends. And uh, it, the word budget is an interesting word. What, what's the definition of the word budget? A mathematical confirmation of your suspicions. <laughs> Many people shop impulsively. I see it, I want it, I've got to have it. And many people can't resist the sale. Look how much money I'm saving, we think. If I don't buy it now, it will cost more later. And that's called costophobia. Mm. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Buy now, pay later. 52 easy payments. Now, I've never met an easy payment in my life. <laughs> if, if, it, if it was easy, <clears throat> I would have been able to buy it at the beginning. Right. Nowadays, people can be divided into three groups. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-have. <laughs> and we need to treat credit with extreme caution. Credit we can manage now may very quickly become debt we cannot and a wise motto use it up wear it out make it do or do without mm. and some of us some of us may even need some plastic surgery we need to cut our credit cards mm. so those are just some of my little reflections and introductory comments before I introduce the commandment. <laughs> so what do you think, Bill? I think it's great. And I, I have a friend who said to me once, uh, follow your dreams and the debt it will follow as well. <laughs> you know, sometimes you find yourself spinning your way into a place that you don't or shouldn't be. And because you've got a certain level of discontentment. So I, I loved all of that that you said, Peter, you must feel the same way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think especially I see young people assuming that they should have the same standard of living that their parents do uh, <laughs> almost immediately. And, and so they will spend into oblivion pretty early and not understand you do have to pay back the credit card from time to time. And, and so certainly this is relevant for, I think, many of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, the 10th commandment reads, do not covet your neighbor's house or anything else your neighbor owns, Exodus 20, verse 17. Now the word covet means to desire with the intent to own something that can never rightfully be yours. Today, mm. the word we use for covet is materialism. And where would advertisers be if they couldn't count on our desire to covet? The problem is, the attitude of more doesn't give us contentment and materialism can cause problems in our lives. Let me highlight just some of those problems. Materialism can cause worry. And Jesus said, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Life is not measured by how much we own. Luke 12 verse 15. When we focus on things, we worry about them. We worry about we don't have enough or we worry about keeping what we have. And the number one concern people have 
is finance. Most people's financial problems are very simple. They're short of money. Materialism can cause weariness. Don't weary yourself, the Bible says, trying to make yourself rich. Why waste time? That's from Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. And in the frantic rush to get ahead or just keep up, we get tired. And the Bible says, slow down. And the thing about the rat race of life is that even if you win the race, you're still a rat. <laughs> <laughs> we lose our health to make money and then we lose our money to restore our health materialism can cause gloom the bible says some people craving money have pierced themselves with many sorrows 1 timothy 6 verse 10 and some people despair when they can't have what they want if you cannot have everything, make the best of everything you have. What do you think, Bill? Well, I really, I really like all that. I'm, I'm going back a ways to something you said about covet, and you said something that couldn't rightfully be yours is coveting, and I, I almost want to explore that idea just a little bit if we can, because I always think that if you're coveting something, it would be not good for your spiritual well-being. But if I said to myself, you know what, I could go and earn extra money on the weekends and then one day get that new motorcycle. Is that the same? Is that coveting or is that just aspiring to something? Well, obviously, in a lot of our hearts, there is discontentment, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and when you think of that, you think, why is there discontentment in our hearts? You see, the grass is not greener over that side of the fence. The grass is not greener over this side of the fence. The grass is greener when we water it. And I think the thing is, if we're not content with what we currently have, we're not going to be content with more. Mm, good point. Yeah, that's a great point and very helpful clarification. Peter, you have anything on that? Well, yeah, I do. You, you brought up a good word there, Bill. Um, to what extent do we aspire for something that we, that, we, that we might want that would be maybe healthy? And when would it be unhealthy? And when do we know when we're actually coveting? So I don't know, Jay John, if you could speak to that a bit. Um, is there a sense in which we are maybe saving for a purchase that we desire? And, uh, and that can just be something that we look forward to versus something we feel like we have to have in order for us to feel content? Yeah, I, I think it's always good, isn't it, to question uh, the motives within our hearts. And, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the Beatitudes says the pure shall see God, so the, the Greek word gatharos. The root meaning of that is, is no mixed motives. So, you know, do we want to be pure, uh, pure of heart? Uh, what, what's, what's in our inner heart? What is it that's driving this particular thought or this particular crave that we have? Um, is it good for us? Will it be healthy for us? Uh, I think, you know, you, we're going to be more content with less, not with more. 
And I think we have to reevaluate. And unless we've got that, I think the more won't satisfy. You're exactly right, I believe. So thank you for that. So, J. John, when we have a heart transplant, because this is what God does with us, Jesus exchanges his life for ours. To me, that's the beginning of and the end of contentment. So then we have to work out our, our, our salvation throughout our life. And your comment was so well taken. I think we're always a little happier when we have less. Mm, absolutely. Well, yes. And, you know, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And, and, you know, we need to be aware of that. I think it's always, it's like you go to the doctor, you want a diagnosis, well, you want a remedy, mm-hmm. but you've got to have a proper diagnosis before you have the remedy. And I think that's important. But I think also, Bill, uh, we don't want any of our listeners to draw any wrong conclusions from what you and Peter and I are talking about here. The Bible doesn't condemn wealth and possessions and nowhere does the Bible say that money is evil. But what it does say is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm -hmm. God is not opposed to wealth. God is opposed to the worship of it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus talked a great deal about money. And this is interesting that 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught, told, were concerned with money and possessions. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And Jesus did say it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And and I think one interesting observation is that coveting is the motive behind breaking the other nine of the Ten Commandments. Coveting is the mother of all sins because we will lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, because we are coveting, because we want more. Well, Ken and J. John is our guest. We're talking about finding true contentment, which is a great topic. We'll take a little break, and we'll be right back. topic today is finding true contentment. And our guest is Canon J. John. You can go to canonjjohn.com. And I'm here with Dr. Peter Kapsner as we are um, always glad to have John on the show. And right before we went to break, uh, we were talking a little bit about um, contentment with less. And I think my maybe the point that was running through my head at the time was I would feel more content if I had less stuff in my garage. Every time I open it, I go, Oh, I wish I had less stuff. And I was thinking in, in the 1950s, I think the average family of four was living in a home just over 1,100 square feet. And personal storage units didn't exist. Today, there's over 50 million personal storage units for people to put their stuff. 
That is a stunning number, actually. And and I, it's it's funny you say that, Bill, because I was just thinking the other day as I was working through some stuff in our garage, and I thought there are so many things I don't know that were here and that I don't know that I'll ever use. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I I would love to just if I could pitch them temporarily, right, with the option of getting them back just to see. <laughs> but if I but if I could pitch them and then just see for six months and and not even itemize a list, I bet I wouldn't miss ninety nine percent of what I would give away or otherwise don't need at this point. Mm-hmm. As we talk about uh, Canon J. John's book, The Ten Commandments: God's Timeless Values for Life Today, which is a fantastic book, uh, where we talk about the tenth commandment and Thou shalt not covet and Talking about contentment is all about this as well. So, um, John, where do we pick up from here? Well, coveting is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. So the big question is, how do we find contentment? Um, and I've got six points, Bill. So I'll, I'll, I'll introduce each one and we'll Perfect. see what you and Peter think. My first point is, be grateful for what we already have. And the Bible says, true religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world. And we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And that's from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8. The best way to have a contented state of mind is to count our blessings, not our cash. You see, we think when and then, when I get a promotion, Mm. then I'll be happy. When I get a bigger house, I'll be happy. When and then but we're never happy. Don't buy into the myth of more, thinking that having more will make you happy. Learn to be content while having ambitions and goals. A man had no shoes and complained until he met a man who had no feet. That's that gets you in the heart, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It really does. It really does. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, you are richer than 75 percent of the people in the world. If you have money in the bank, you are among the top eight percent of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the millions of people who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are more fortunate than 500 million people in the world today. So my first question is, do you have an attitude of gratitude? It's such a good question, Bill. I remember I had a a pastor once say that for every moment we look up the ladder, we end up being filled with discontent when it comes to a career or a relationship. And for every moment we look down the ladder, we end up being filled with gratitude. And, And I just think that posture 
uh, that Jay John is talking about of being mindful of the things that we do have that otherwise we might not see in a given day uh, because we're always uh, being driven to try to resolve those things that we don't have. I, I just think even getting up in the morning and, and having that spirit of gratefulness right away in the morning for, for all of what he just described is incredibly helpful. Mm, such a good point, Peter. That is so good. So, all right, Jay John, what's number two? Number two, recognize the limitations of wealth. Uh, one way to teach children the value of money is to borrow from them. <laughs> <laughs> money, money talks, but it doesn't always talk sense. Money is a good thing, but it is possible to pay too high a price for it. Do not value money for any more than it's worth. Wealth cannot deliver all that it promises. Yes, money can buy medicine, but it cannot buy health. It can buy a house, but not a home. It can buy companionship, but not friendship. It can buy entertainment, but not happiness. It can buy food, but not an appetite. It can buy a bed, but not sleep. Mm. It can buy a cross, but not a savior. Those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. From Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Things satisfy for a while, but then they lose their thrill. Possessions do not give us permanent happiness, and they do not give us permanent security. And the Bible says the rich think of their wealth as an impregnable defense they imagine it is a high wall of safety from proverbs 18 if we are going to have security we have to put it in something that will not be taken away and we can lose our wealth overnight as many people have discovered and if money and possessions brought happiness then the wealthiest people in the world will be the happiest. And that's not always true. And as one philosopher put it, Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's uh, a great place to take a break. And I, I love that line from Mick Jagger. And I think he was in Excelsior, Minnesota at an amusement park when he heard someone sitting at the end of a soda fountain who could not get what he wanted. And the person at the counter said, I, I can't get satisfaction. And that is, yeah, Mick Jagger overheard him say that pretty interesting story. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And if I made it up, then boy, that's even more interesting. <laughs> well, that's actually, that's actually the very town in which I live and they do have, um, little pictures on the walls that show Mick Jagger coming in. So I, I can check that out for you yeah. during the break. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with Ken and Jay John. We're talking about contentment today. Don't go away. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno, Primetime. 
Drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. All of us want contentment, and I think it's uh, something that is elusive for many at different times in life. And today we're talking to Canon J. John. He's written a book called The Ten Commandments, God's Timeless Values for Life Today. And we are talking about contentment. And I don't think I hear people talk about it very often. I do have a very cute short story of a friend of mine who was visiting his friend's house in high school. And the friend's house was not particularly nice. And uh, they didn't have a very nice car. And it was one of those moments where his friend's dad was sitting in his easy chair and he was, uh, had his pipe in his mouth, and he looked around and said, I am so content in life. And my friend thought, how could you be? You don't have a very nice house or a very nice car. I mean, it was almost baffling to him that, that at that age, he was a little confused by what it meant to be content. But that's something he never forgot. And I thought, what a great lesson. And I've never forgot the story. Hmm. And that's the story. <laughs> that's it to it <laughs> but it, but you know those examples of that kind of contentment I, because we're such a discontent people i think we're always striving 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 for more they really stand out they do they? When oh you run, totally when you run into somebody who just feels like there's a peace about them because they're not fussed they're not hurried they're not stressed for whatever is coming that they just can live in that space in a different way i i think that's evidence in this uh, of not just a well-lived life but but the spirit provides that in us as believers. It, it bears witness to something. Yeah. And he was a godly man. So there you go. All yeah. right, John, let's get back to um, our list. I think we're on number Absolutely. three. Yeah. Number three, Bill, focus on people, not possessions. We can covet so much that things can become more important than people. Possessions cannot compensate for unhappy relationships relationships bring happiness not things and in proverbs 15 we read a greedy person brings trouble to their family in our striving for riches our marriages can break up and our children can become distant relatives the best thing that parents can give their children is time not treasure and our children need our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, more than our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. We love people, we use things. If we love things, we'll end up using people. And maturity is saying we have enough. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we neglecting our relationships and responsibilities as parents or as friends? We need to focus on people, not possessions. That's point three, Bill. How do we do that, Jay John? Because possessions don't tend to let us down. I mean, they do in the ways that we're talking about, but I think we're suspicious of people and, and we sometimes have been hurt by people. And yeah, like you said, that's where the real sense of contentment comes is in our relationships with God and one another. But, but what do you, what if you don't really trust people? What can you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a fair comment there, uh, Peter. But I think the thing is when you become far more, I find um, intentional and expectant, I think things change 
when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. And that's what I've found in my experience. But I, I, you know, I used to, when my children came back from school, uh, because as a minister, I worked flexi time and flexi time for a minister can mean all day and night. But when they came back from school, I always, if I was home, I always stopped work. And for the next three hours, I would spend it with my children. I would do bath time, feeding time. I'll do bedtime prayers and then get back to work when they went to bed. Hmm. So sometimes you're making choices, aren't you? Yeah, no, I think that's very true. And, and I, obviously the more that you can do that kind of work, the more you begin to trust people again. I just, it's, I, I think maybe that's why sometimes people do lean into possessions because they think that they'll just give them a, a safer sense of contentment, but it's all false to begin with. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So what uh, is number four? Number four, Bill, look beyond what is temporary. And we read in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we need to live our lives in the light of eternity. And Jesus says, how will you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul in Mark chapter eight? We need to realize that there is a whole lot more going on than just the here and now. Our life here on earth is a blip on the eternal screen. We are not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying heading towards the land of the living. So we need to look beyond what is temporary. And that, Bill, I think changes our, our attitudes on earthly things. Mm -hmm. Jay John, I think Mark 8.36 is a verse A that I memorized decades and decades ago, but it's also a verse that goes through my mind most frequently when you hear of someone dying that has significant wealth. And you wonder, was, did you come to faith? Did you have a right relationship with God? Or did you gain all this massive amount of wealth and influence in this life only to face a Christless eternity? And that's just a thought, a passage mm -hmm. that goes through my mind quite regularly when I hear about someone of significant wealth passing on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, everything that we've been given, time, talents, treasure, we are just guardians of it. Mm. And so we're, the challenge really to all of us, to even, you know, to myself, Bill, uh, Peter, uh, and to everyone listening is, you know, are we being good guardians of what God has entrusted to us? Yeah, such a great point. Um, when we have evidence that people are, in fact, happier with more material possessions, I'm aware that not only does God give us the capacity for wealth, but he also gives us the capacity to enjoy the things we have. And Absolutely. don't we all know people that have what appears to be a pretty affluent lifestyle and a lot of nice stuff, and there's some of the most unhappy people I know. 
yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I, my wife and I, we uh, several times a year, uh, we ask ourselves, um, is there one thing that we can do to live simply so that others can simply live? And that just helps us evaluate what we've done, are doing, and can we do something else, you know? And sometimes you've got to ask these tough questions. It's a bit like, you know, taking your car uh, to get serviced, you know, you're hoping you won't need much. And then you just, <laughs> you, you need your, you know, brake pads changing, you need your windscreen wipers changing. And the worst is if you need a new engine. Um, but I think it's always good to service our thinking. Well, and that discipline, Jay John, too, of, of recognizing um, the thing we were talking about giving stuff away earlier. I just that could be more than a than a practice that we do in the holidays or at the end of the year in, in the United States for a tax benefit. This could be something you start doing weekly for other people. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. And, and, and there's a joy. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm, so you know, true. I, you know, I, 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 my coat. I, in my coat, if you saw my coat now and, I, and you, I said to you, what's in my coat pocket? Well, I'll tell you what's in there. Okay, I carry a toothbrush with toothpaste. I carry a pair of socks and I carry a little gospel booklet. Mm. And the reason I do that is whenever I'm out, if I see a homeless person, I'll say, would you like a toothbrush? Would you like a, a, a clean pair of socks? And can I also give you this little booklet? I think sometimes you've just got to be more prepared, don't you? And ready and eager. And it, uh, the joy that I get of just giving things away. And it always comes back to you. I mean, it's amazing. And not to mention, J. John, that we are, uh, Jesus really uh, commanded us not, not to worry about the things of this world. And I, I do think that, if we are worrying a lot, we are, are uh, far ways away from contentment. So that's something that I have to ask myself, what am I worrying about? And is it something I can stop worrying about and give to the Lord? And that would, in fact, bring about some more contentment because our dictionary defines contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with things as they are. And that's a, that's a tall order. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great point. All right. So um, let's maybe move on to number five. Number five, we've already touched on it, Bill, but uh, hadn't actually made the point. Okay. Number five is be a giver. I think there is often a lack of generosity in our world. And Jesus talked a great deal about giving. Why? Because giving is the antidote to coveting. Jesus said, we've quoted it before, but it's from Acts 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There is a great need in the world. And as I said earlier on, and I just want to reiterate it, you know, is there one thing that we can do to live simply so that others can simply live? So I think 
let's evaluate what we have. Let's see what we can do with what we have, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. So, yeah, I just want to reinforce this point, actually, Bill. I actually think out of my six points, this is the one that really deals with, with materialism. Mm -hmm. It deals with discovering contentment, uh, giving, giving. Whether it's time, whether, you know, you can tithe your time, you can tithe your income, you can tithe whatever, but it's giving to others. I, I remember I was in church and um, they were going on in church. I was really getting irritated. They kept going on. <laughs> we don't have enough people to help serve the coffee. And I was like, why don't people volunteer? Why don't people volunteer? And I was like getting really agitated. I can't believe they're going on about it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I got this conviction. God telling me to sign up for the coffee rotor. And I thought I turned around and looked at the person behind me because I thought it, it, the, the word must have been for the person behind me, not me. <laughs> I felt this conviction. Anyway, at the end of the service, I said to my wife, I said, oh, I said, um, uh, let's go. Let's both go and um, and talk to the lady to sign up for the coffee rotor. Um, and she said, what, what do you mean? Let us both go. I said, well, I, I just feel as though God has spoken. She said, what spoke to you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I went up to the coffee lady and I said to her, I'd like to sign up to serve coffee. And she started laughing. She says, you can't, you're not going to serve coffee. I said, no, no. I said, God's told me to serve coffee. <laughs> she says, you're never here. You're never here. I said, well, look, I know I'm here once a month because the other weekends I'm away preaching. I signed up with my wife and we serve coffee once a month for three years. Do you know something? I met more people than in three years serving coffee once a month than I had the previous 17 years. Wow, what a great Amazing. story. We're going to take a little break. And during the break, Jay John is going to get Peter and I coffee. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Canon J. John. You can go to canonjjohn.com. His book is The Ten Commandments, God's Timeless Values for Life Today. It's a wonderful book. We'll be right back. back with Ken and J. John and Dr. Peter Kapsner. We're talking about J. John's book, The Ten Commandments, God's Timeless Values for Life Today. And in that is commandment number 10, you shall not covet. And that's what we're talking about today as well as finding contentment, because I know many of us, all of us at some point are discontent with something and we need to find what the Lord has in store for us when it comes to contentment. And J. John, you're giving us some incredibly helpful principles we can apply instantly to our life. So I appreciate where you've taken us so far. Thank you, uh, Bill. And, and my final point, in fact, Bill, you, you mentioned this point right at the beginning of our conversation on this program. 
and it's my sixth point is find our significance and security in Jesus Christ. We do not find contentment through possessions or pleasure or power. Happiness in life comes from purpose and God made us for a purpose. And in Jesus, we find that purpose. Now, that's the exact opposite of what the world says, that our personal value is based on our financial value. And we think that if we own a lot, we must be worth a lot. And if we only have a little, we can't be worth very much. And that is a lie. Mm -hmm. God says we, every single one of us, and everyone tuned into the program now, you are valuable. And we are so valuable that Jesus died on the cross for us. I'm so glad. Uh, gone, Bill. You know, I'm just so you? glad. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, it is so critical that we get that out and let that be heard because I know there's many that might be listening to the program today that are just living at the margin and they uh, would like to be more content, but they simply don't know if they're going to be able to afford the next tank of gas or food for dinner tonight. Yes, that's right. And, and we need, all of us need to hear that God says you're valuable. There was a, f a famous artist and he went back to the very small rural community where he was born and he was brought up. And he was just walking around some of the village stores and there was an antique shop. And he looked into the window and he couldn't believe what he saw in the window. In the window, he saw one of his masterpieces and it was a painting that he had painted years before he was famous. The, the frame was broken, the painting was scratched and dirty, but it was his. But he couldn't go into the antique shop and say to the manager, that's my painting, give it back to me. <laughs> wanted it back, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, before he could restore it, and before he could reframe it. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ did for each one of us when he died on the cross, is that he bought us back so that he could clean us, he could restore us, and that he could reframe us. Mm. And that is the good news of Christianity. And the good news of Jesus is that Jesus wants to cleanse us and heal us. Um, and that happened to me, Bill, when I was a student in 1975 in London. Wow. Wow. Well, and that speaks to something too, I think, Bill, right? Just I, as J. John was talking about that, I was thinking about the phrase that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there isn't a single possession that I have ever owned about which I could say that. I mean, everything has deteriorated or broken down. It just doesn't last or persist. And and for J. John to reference something uh, some 47 years ago, if my math is right, uh, that is still true today. I, I don't know what else you can say that about in, in world history. Absolutely, Peter. Yeah, well said. Uh, but when, you know, I, I think I'd like to say to all the listeners, if you haven't yet experienced uh, this incredible gift of Jesus, then we would, I know, Bill, Peter and I, we would encourage you to do that. 
and um, I sometimes like to think, uh, I think in analogies. So if, for example, think of the car of your life and to be a Christian using that analogy means to have Jesus in the car of your life. And, um, and if he's not in the car of your life, then of course we want to encourage you to invite him into the car of your life. But for the majority of us, and I would imagine many of the listeners, Jesus is already in the car of our lives. But the big question is, where is he in the car of our lives? Do we drive our cars to church, um, unlock the trunk, get Jesus out for a religious happy hour, and then put him back in the trunk at the end of the service? <laughs> or is he sitting on the back seat, a bit of a passenger? Or is he sitting on the front passenger seat, a bit more of a companion? Or is he in the driving seat? And if he is in the driving seat, are we a backseat driver? <laughs> <laughs> so I, think, I think when we talk about anything like the subject we're talking about today, it's a challenge to all of us to say, wow, you know, is Jesus, first of all, in my life? And if he's not, I need to invite him in. But if he already is in my life, do I need to reposition Jesus into the driving seat? Mm -hmm. Friends, can we talk about a Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul for a minute? I mean, he suffered and went through life without a lot of comfort and more than most people would ever dream or imagine the way he was shipwrecked and beaten and tortured and imprisoned. And he knew the secret of contentment. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That sums it all up. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I got lucky. <laughs> passage of scripture. That is it. That is it, because he's saying, I've discovered it. Uh, and I think what he means, I've chosen it. I've mm -hmm. chosen to end, irrespective of the conditions I'm experiencing, irrespective of what I have or don't have. I've learned to be. So it's something that could be learned. Yeah. According to Paul. Well, and anyways, you read that passage, Bill. I was thinking he, he was probably the same person when he was in front of an extravagant meal as he was when he was walking around the Mediterranean world, wondering where his next meal might come from. And and to become that kind of person, as Jay John's talking about, where your contentment isn't dependent upon your circumstances, wow, that's not an easy place to, to find yourself. I, I don't know what kind of life is required for sure to, to grow into that point. That was very inspiring of you to oh, good. read those scriptures. <laughs> you know, I, I also think of the Hebrews verse, I think it's in 13 that says, let your conduct, your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. There we go. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the promise that that is made after that is, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, and there's, definitely. There's the promise I'll take any day of the week. You've got it there, Bill. I've got a prayer here. I've got it. I've got a prayer. Can I pray this prayer? I would love it that. expresses much of what we talked about. Please. Lord God, you said I shouldn't covet. But sometimes in my weakness, I've reached out for things that I thought would satisfy me. Yet once I had them, 
they seemed like cheap counterfeits. They didn't satisfy me at all. Please help me to surrender my selfish desires. Help me, Jesus, to learn that true contentment comes from you alone. And so, Lord, I say to you, I only desire those things that you know will satisfy me and fulfill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Jay John, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I've learned so much this hour, and I cannot wait to go back and listen to it again. And I always learn something a second and third time through. So thank you for this time. Bill, always a joy. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Peter. Um, much appreciated. Yeah, our pleasure. Trust me. Canon J. John has been our guest. You can go to canonjjohn.com. And his book is called The Ten Commandments, God's Timeless Values for Life Today. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for listening to the show. That's all the time we have. Have a great night, everyone. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.